What's up? What's up? Get your Bibles out. Get your Bibles out, church. On a count of three, lift your Bibles up and say word. One, two, three, say word. One more time, say word. Turn to the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel. We are reading through the Bible. We start the book of Ezekiel today. Ezekiel chapter 2. And while you turn there, I'm going to tell you a little story. Um, there's a term called the Shekinah glory of God. Shekinah means dwelling, the dwelling presence of God. And it's usually pictured and experienced as fire. The presence of God is often represented as fire and brightness, rainbows, lightning. Matter of fact, it was lightning that hit a uh, golf course yesterday. I don't know if you saw it, but uh, uh, watch ESPN, the most pure station on television. And you, everything else is fake news, baby. <laughs> watch ESPN. It's the truth. But anyway, there, there was a, a lightning bolt that hit this golf course. And it was, it was awesome. Thank God no one got killed. Um, but the Shekinah glory is the, the presence of God. And usually it's this brightness uh, glorious fire-like image. And at our prayer meeting yesterday in City Heights, at a City Heights campus, a woman said she saw uh, the glory of God, the Shekinah glory. Now, we've been talking about being a prophet, how some people hear God whisper. We all probably hear God whisper all the time to us. Uh, some people get impressions about God. Some people, uh, God speaks to in dreams. Totally, absolutely, God speaks to me in dreams sometimes. And then, uh, but some people see the spiritual realm. And this woman saw the Shekinah glory of God. Went up to Pastor Mike and said, hey, look, I saw some the Shekinah glory. He says, cool, cool, cool. A few minutes later, the fire department shows up at the church. And they say, the alarm went off. Where's the fire? There was no fire. <laughs> so so y'all like, well, what's up? <laughs> so so y'all thinking, the fire God put the alarm, put the alarm on and, and then there was no physical fire. So the, so the alarm went to the fire department. They came, where's the fire? They said, no, the, the only fire that's here is the fire of God. It's the kind of glory of God. Y'all are missing it. Y'all are missing it. Y'all are missing it. I'm telling you. I'm not making this up. I'm not making this up. Now, why is this relevant? Now, not only is it true, but it's relevant because in Ezekiel chapter 1, um, Ezekiel sees the Shekinah glory of God. And he describes it, these angels carrying the throne of God. And, and then in chapter 2, he gives a prophecy. And this prophecy is going to challenge us today. Prophecy is when you get a word from God, whether you see it, you hear it, you, you feel it, you sense it, impression. You get a word from God that becomes a thing. God fulfills his word. When he tells you something, he does it. And whatever he does expands his kingdom, not your kingdom. So last week we talked about speaking words to people. Can I get amen? If you weren't here, uh, get the, get, watch, the, watch the sermon online. But look at chapter 2, verse 8. He says to Ezekiel, the prophet, who sees this vision, and then he speak, God speaks to him. He says in verse 8, but you, son of man, hear what I have to say to you. Do not be rebellious like the rebellious house. Open your mouth and eat what I give you. So he's telling him, don't be like the Jews that you're in captivity with. And the reason they're in captivity is because they were rebellion. Rebellious, So I want you to speak to them when I tell you. Open your mouth. I'm going to give you something to eat. Verse 9. When I looked, there was a hand stretched out to me. And behold, a scroll of a book was, was in it. He spread the, uh, the scroll before me. And writing was on the inside and the outside. And la of lamentations, mourning, and woe. In other words, bad news was written on the scroll. 
And then it says in verse 1 in chapter 3, Moreover, God said to me, Son of man, eat what you find, eat this scroll, and go speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth, and he caused me to eat the scroll. And he said, Son of man, feed your belly and fill your stomach with the scroll that I give you. So I ate, and it was in my stomach like honey and sweetness. When we read the Bible, or when you're supposed to read the Bible every day, <laughs> memorize the Bible every day, study the Bible every day, it's at some point, listen to this, you are feeding your soul. You are actually spiritually feeding yourself. You should get fed when you come here, but you most definitely should be feeding yourself. You are feeding yourself. The problem is, are you digesting and living out what you're eating? So if you're reading, I need to love my neighbor, are you actually doing that? In our country, we have a lot of division, a lot of hate. I wrote a book on racism called The Third Option. Uh, actually, I'll be in the bookstore here in Point Loma selling it after, uh, and we have it right here behind me, as you'll see, we'll, we'll mention it. And it's all about how God can bring us together if we focus on what we have in common. And one of the topics in our society is all the white supremacists doing stuff and all the hate from white supremacists, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, I have a very good friend of mine, he's been, been my friend for over about two decades, Taz, who was, is a former white supremacist, and God spoke to him in the 90s, where I didn't know him, he was at a service, in the 90s, and the gospel changed his heart. You can put laws in place, which we should, and all that kind of stuff about all that, the hate and try to divide us. But really what's going to change our country is when our hearts are changed. And the only thing that's going to change our hearts is the love of God. Can I get amen? That's our business. We're in the in 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 love somebody <laughs> straight business. So listen, I want all y'all to stand up and give Taz a warm, loving, rock church welcome. Come on now, church. Come on, let's give him a big hand. Come on. <laughs> Good to have you here, my brother. Good to be here. You, you lost a lot of weight over the last uh, 12 months. How, what were you a, a year ago? 295. 295. What are you now, 285? <laughs> Two, uh, 225. I do jujitsu, though. That okay, 225. Good. Yeah. So listen, uh, we're so happy to have you. Um, you know, there's a lot of uh, news stories and stuff in the news about white supremacy and, and the division and the hate in the world. You came out of that. We're very excited to see how God's changed your life. But I want to go back to before you had all the tattoos and before you went through that, your life, so people can get to know you like I know you. And, and then take, we're going to take, take us through the journey of how the gospel is changing your life. So let's go back to when you were a kid, where you grew up. Yeah, well, I'm, we, uh, I grew up all, we moved around a lot, my family, so it was really difficult. Um, but I wasn't, we all played football. Like, that was like, my dad, like, he didn't care what you did, just be a good football player. Well, he was a smart man. He was a smart man. <laughs> he, was a smart man. he was a good guy. Um, so that, I mean, that, the, he literally, like, that, my mom would feed us, and we'd play football. And so I, you know, ever since Pop Warner, we played since little, and, uh, but we, we moved a lot, and it was very difficult. But every time I went to a new city or a new place or state, I'd be on the team. So you got like a lot of camaraderie, a lot of, you know, you meet a lot of people. And so that, that helped me. You grew up in New York? Or you started in New York? Uh, I've been all over New York, Maine, uh, Reno, L.A. You came here from Maine? Culture shock. 
tell us about that. No disrespect to Maine. Maine is beautiful. Our house was giant. Um, but you guys, like, you don't wear shoes. You like, you know, you do all that. It was weird. <laughs> Where in Maine? Where in Maine? Portland, Maine. Okay. I went to Deering, Deering High School. I don't know anybody. No? Okay. Nope. <laughs> so you come out here, you play football. You went to Mission Bay High School for how long? Uh, two weeks. <laughs> Just a little visit. And why did you leave? So I came out here, culture, it was, like, it was a lot, you know, like I had a girlfriend back then. And um, so I went to Mission Bay, it was a culture shock, you know, like it was just weird, like flip-flops at school, really? We don't do that. And um, so I, uh, I was playing ball, I was doing good, and uh, the coaches really liked me. And, um, you know, I had some friends, but I didn't really feel part of. So I got on a Greyhound bus <laughs> four days went back and then she was messing with my friend and then I got arrested and then I got deported back. <laughs> Transported. Transported, yeah, yeah. sorry. <laughs> Wrong word. <laughs> my bad. That's another group. Transported. Transported. It's a whole other problem. Sorry about that. <laughs> so we have a picture of you when you back then, I think. Uh, this is, I, I think, yeah. That's me. Those are traps. Those are traps right there. That's a real trap. I don't have them anymore. For all the people who don't know what traps are, it's the muscle between his shoulder and his neck. It it lifts your shoulder. If you want to just get him, just do shrugs like that. Yeah, you got to shrug it out. That's 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 how you get it. One tattoo, this little guy here. I thought it was cool. So how did you tell us, you, you went to high school, you go back, you get, you get transported back to San Diego. Transported. And... And how did you get into white supremacy? So I came back from there, and then I uh, wanted to pick up football again, and my dad kept saying football, football. I was, all right, all right. Then I went to Mesa College, playing, playing ball there. And, uh, you know, it's a type, I'm young. And you got, like, guys that are 40, 50 on the team, you know, like 60, 80 guys. And I'm like, these guys, you know, what? It's like a senior league. <laughs> and uh, it was good football. Mesa's good football. And... Uh, I was in a classroom, and a pretty girl walked by, and oh, we had been going to punk rock shows, you know, I was into like punk rock music and little smashing mosh pit stuff, you know. Um, But let me backtrack, before all that, like every little city I went in, I became part of different gangs, and so then I, so we were here, she invited us to a party, and then I met skinheads and kind of like, you know, got to know everybody. And they, and, and, and you became part of them, they started telling you what? Just the rules and the regulations, you know, the rule book. You're superior to everybody else. Yeah. We, kind of, we kind of all know that. But yeah, that's pretty much it. In every way. Every way. So smarter, more talented, favored, highly favored by God, all that stuff. Yep, pretty much. Okay, and, and when you were hearing that and living that out, was there a conflict in your heart? Because there's, you have history playing football and meeting guys that I'm um, just imagine you would think back and go, I didn't experience that then, and maybe you did. Was there yeah, a conflict? Yeah, so I, I come from, you know, like when you play football, it's the, well, not so much in Maine. It's like, not, <laughs> they didn't have brothers then. in Maine. Yeah, we yeah. didn't have a lot of brothers in Maine. <laughs> I don't think we had one at our school, but, or, or just it was a lot, it was white. 
Um, but uh, I had, so I had diversity in my background. I didn't grow up that way. It's not really part, my family didn't really believe that, you know. Um, so when I got involved in it, I started to learn, you know, everything. And then I, uh, then when I really dove in, then I started to like really embrace all that. Embrace it to believe it and live it. Both, yeah. And, and how was it expressed in your life? What did we do? Yeah, yes. Oh. Uh, well, you know, we did day-to-day operations. You know, like, I mean, we, we didn't wake up and go, hey, what are we going to, you know, who are we looking for? But we had an outfit, you know, we, we got fatigued up, you know, like, you know, you wear your dickies and they're pegged and you had Doc Martens and different color laces and all that stuff um, to represent different things. And then we just kind of mobbed around town, you know, like, well, we were looking for trouble. <laughs> what percentage of your violence was against non-whites versus whites? I mean, this is, I'm giving you my testimony, so I, I'm, not, I'm not speaking for anybody else. I'm just telling you what I, what I experienced my, from my lens. And so that's, I'm trying to help you see what I've been through. Uh, I would say 95%, and it was all violence, a lot of violence was against white guys. <laughs> Explain that. They were just being stupid. Say it again? They were just being stupid. Like, they would always, like, you know, I, 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 it was weird. It's, it almost seemed like the other races were, like, I'm sure they didn't like what we were doing or like who we were, but there was, like, a, I don't want to say a respect, but they were just, like, uh, okay, they're doing their thing. It was whereas those guys would always, like, say something to us and then. Yeah. The white guys would say something to you, then you're Usually fine. something, or we were drinking, and then it'd be trouble. So, figure this out for me, because we're talking about, you know, when we talk about these things, you talk about what spiritual battles people go through and how the devil deceives you to do stuff that's self-destructive. I'm going to say it one more time, how the devil deceives you to do stuff self-destructive. Now, many of you out there saying, well, I'm not a white supremacist, what does this got to do to me? I want you to listen to the parallel of what the devil's, how the devil was deceiving him causing him to self-destruct. He does the same thing to all of us in something different, whether it be racism or drugs or pornography or whatever it is. It's all the, it's all the same goal is to destroy your relationship with God and destroy you. Am I making sense to y'all? Amen. And so, so here you are, you're being told you're superior to everybody else. There's a conflict in your heart, at least, that is that really true in every single way. And you're fighting against the people who a lot of your fights, 95, 90%, whatever it is, against the people who are superior with you. Yeah. That, that seems like a whole lot of contradictions. Yeah, pretty much. T- t- tell me about what was going on in your heart. Well, I, I mean, at first it was like, all right, well, let me see how, you know, what, what the rules, what the regulations are, what the program is. And then, then I got so deep into it. I just like I hated myself so much it got it got worse and worse and so any kind of empathy I had for anybody I didn't then I lost it all then I was like all right it's on let's do this tell me about the hate you have for yourself yeah well when you don't like anybody else you hate yourself like you you cannot hate anybody and and not love you know what I mean I hated myself and and it got real ugly and then my world got re- some football guy, you know, know everybody, this, that. And then my world just got, like, really small. 
and then even a smaller circle because, you know, we only hang out with certain people. And then I'm like, man, my world got real small quick. You said when you hate yourself, you can only express hate to other people, or when you're expressing hate to other people all the time, it's a reflection that possibly you hate yourself. This was for me, yeah. I, hate, I mean, I, it got ugly, like, where I couldn't even, like, look myself in the mirror. I drank a lot. I, and violence was an outlet, like, for me, I, you know, I didn't know how to deal with people, so I'm like, just beat them up, I guess. No, I mean, this is back then. This is back then. Not, not now. <laughs> um, you, you, you may be a gossip, and you're always trying to pull people down. It's probably because you feel below them. You may be a liar because you're scared of the truth. The Bible says the mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. And when it says the mouth speaks, it's not only what you say, but what you do and how you think. And so if you just look at your own life and think of all the, it, and monitor how much garbage is coming out, it's a symbol of not the people that's just coming out too. It's a symbol of what's in your heart. Like I, I've met many white supremacists in my life. And if I have hate towards them, it's not because of what they believe. It's because of what's in my heart. Because if I have love in my heart, it don't matter what they believe. That love's going to overflow them. And so we have, we have that, that's, that's the gospel. So, so I have a theory. What if you found out a guy was in, in your group, he's white, and then he did his DNA and he was part black? <laughs> you said you got the rule book. What does the rule book say about that? That's on page eight. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> so that's a closed door uh, yeah, 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 yeah. so in my book I write about a guy who was a white supremacist and he was 16% black his DNA you know what that means he black black <laughs> oops because <laughs> you know when we when in reality all people are 99.5% genetically identical so me and you are 99.5% 99.5% identical Oh. Can you believe you're 99.5% of this? You're 99% <laughs> of this. Um, I want you to talk about, uh, I think you call them supporters, cheerleaders. We're going to stick with the first word. Supporters. Yeah. Explain that. Ah, uh, you know, like, so when you, this is, I mean, I'm, I'm talking about my life. I'm not trying to peel a scab. Like, of course, you come to church for healing, for unity. So I'm giving you my life so you can, God, Holy Spirit can talk to you through whatever I'm saying. It's going to touch all of you differently. Yeah, and the, other, and the other side to that, he doesn't represent all white supremacists. He represents him. Yeah, I'm and, giving my testimony. I'm not speaking on behalf of anybody else's program or business. So, and in our conversation, the reason I'm asking about telling about this right here because in our conversations when he told me about this, I I, I want him to say this to kind of uh, step on some toes. I don't have problems stepping on toes, but I'm I'm gonna give him an opportunity. What was the question? Supporters. Oh, okay. So yeah. So you know, I'm sure maybe now, but back then, I I know there were people that agreed with what we were doing that maybe weren't shaving their heads, stomping around, smashing people. But they were like, okay, cool, go, you know, do your thing. And we all have, all of us have people in our family who are racist or haters or this or that. Can I get an amen? amen? And as far as 
they have their, uh, their group, racism does not discriminate. Discrimination doesn't discriminate. Equal opportunity offender. And there are people who we were talking about just say, yeah, they're out there doing that, but there's a lot of other people uh, who say, yeah, we with you. And, and so I want to challenge y'all, not only the people who are with them, but whatever ethnicity you are, that we all have people in our lives that are saying stuff behind closed doors that we are the light to that conversation, that we're the person sharing the gospel because of how he got saved, which we'll get to in a minute, changed his life. The gospel is very powerful. And to that end, I want you to tell the story about the, the PB block party. When you were walking down the street with your boys, what happened? So, well, we had the PB used to have a block party. <laughs> they no longer have a block party because it got too crazy. But uh, so we're walking down the block party, got the shirt off, got the swastika, you know, thinking I'm the man. And, you know, we had a little reputation. We were, we were, we were deep, you know, a couple guys. And uh, out of nowhere, uh, a little older Jewish man came right up to me. How I knew he was Jewish because he said, hey, I was in a concentration camp. And he showed me the numbers on his arm. And he said, hey, he like got like right in my face. He was little, though, so he was like little. <laughs> But he said, hey, do you know what that means to me and this and that? And um, I was like, yeah, 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 okay. But it, like, it affected me, you know. Hmm. I want to show some pictures of you um, because I'm going to get to that story. I'm just going to run through a few pictures. You just put it up there so you could you tell us about who these people are. Uh, that's me when I had some size. And that's uh, my, my son when he was like, I don't know, two, I think. That's my three-foot Italian boss mom, boss hog. Yeah, <laughs> that's a wooden spoon survivor. <laughs> and that's my granddaughter. Yeah. You know that guy. That's your cool We were going friend. to get my, uh, I used to have the triangles on my face, so we were going to get those lasered. I tried to get a job at a Chinese restaurant. That didn't work. I, 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 I don't mean to be racial, man, but if I came in a Chinese restaurant and saw you cooking my chow, man, I'd be like having a problem with that, man. Oh, oh, oh. I, I just uh, don't, uh, that would be a conflict. It would be a conflict. Nah, I'll, I'll hook you up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you went to the hospital, you got stabbed, and you had an interesting encounter with your doctor. Yeah, so imagine you're me, you're Joe Skinhead stomping around town, thinking you're invincible. There was a stabbing a week earlier to that without giving details. Somebody got stabbed. A few weeks later, I got stabbed. And I explain it like this, like, this is something you can do today. Go home and dip your hand in paint and pull it out. And so I went, you know, like when you get the wind knocked out of you, it's like, <gasps> you can't breathe. Well, it doesn't come back. And then I went like that, and it was just like all blood, and I was like, ugh. And I went to the hospital, UCSD, and uh, it was an African-American doctor and a woman who uh, saved me. Uh, tell the relevance about the woman who saved you, or being, it being a woman. Well, woman, because, you know, as a young guy, I thought I had the world in my hand, no God. Um, we were fooling around a lot with women, so we had no respect for women, especially in that group. We would always make them do things that, you know, like, whatever. We would just make them do things that we didn't want. Disrespectful. Disrespectful and crime, too. We would put it on them, you know. So you had no respect for women. 
No. And you, and you thought blacks were inferior to you. And these are the two people who saved your life. Yes. Now, if I'm God, I'm laughing. I'm like, oh, we're going to get this brother right now. You know, here's the, here's, the, here's the thing about it. It wasn't even that God was getting you. It was God was loving you. That's, that's I'm sure love. he was laughing too. <laughs> yeah, he yeah. was laughing too. <laughs> he was laughing too. So, so, so what happened? Uh, well, that hurt. Um, and uh, so a few days later, he, you, know, I, you know, I had a chest tube in me, like a garden-sized hose tube. You know, they stick it in there and drain it out. And so he, he kept checking on me and asking me. He was very, he was very kind, you know. He never, I have, I have all this stuff on me. And my, you know, I'm laying there. And he never, never, never once asked me about any of that stuff. And he what was, did he ask you? How you doing? How, you know, do you, maybe some family stuff, like, but nothing, you know. He said, be careful, you, you know, when you're out there. And you're lucky that you were alive because when I got stabbed in my back, it almost went through my heart. So he's ministering to you. In a sense, yeah. Taking care of you. What's it, what's it doing here? It's crushing my heart, you know, this guy. I mean, I'm sure he could have stepped on the cord or something. <laughs> <laughs> like, choked me out. <laughs> cut the oxygen off. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> he comes in, takes the tube out. Um. That I'm sure there were a lot of other experiences where God was preparing you for the day you came to Horizon um, when I was preaching in the 90s. Tell us about that. Yeah, well, um, we, five of us, so five skinhead guys, we were all like a hot mess. But we started to realize, hey, we, we got we to gotta do something because we're, we're falling apart. Like we're all shot out, like we got to change our life or we're done, you know. You either die or go to prison. And um, I, I kind of was ready to die. Like, I was living like I was ready to die. But I, and then so uh, and I really didn't want to go to prison. <laughs> it's not a good place. So we went, the five of us went to um, Horizon. Horizon's a church right here in San Diego where I used to teach it Sunday night. Yeah, so five of us went, and out of that f- group of, we were like, oh, come on, you go. We had been gone. We had been scoping him out, like doing surveillance. <laughs> is this guy for real? So, 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 so check out the surveillance, though. Check out the surveillance. This is the thing about God. He, God is the bomb. God's like, yeah, these dudes hate black people, so I want to get them to go to a church with a black guy. <laughs> and I want to get a black surgeon to come save his life. And I'm going to get a little Jewish man to get in his face. And I'm going to send a woman to save his life. That's how God is. He's funny. He's, he's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So you go to church. We go to church. And we have been going a few times. But we weren't really like, I don't know, you know, just there. But then this one time, we are like, all right, let's go. Like, so we kind of like locked arms like the Wizard of Oz and like went down the thing. <laughs> you know, okay. And then, uh, but out of those five guys... Two are doing life in prison. One is deceased, myself, and then one other guy is just kind of out. He's, he's, he's not locked up, but he's not a Christian. Did all of them come forward or just you? We all did. Uh-huh. All of y'all said we're going to give our life to Jesus. Uh, at that time we did, yeah. Wow. And now you're, you went through PST5 here. You have a Bible study on Thursday. Tell us about where that's at. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, well, no, we have a, 
So, I mean, I want to just, the whole point of me giving this testimony thing is like to show no matter what you're in. That was just my thing that I went through, but everybody's going through something. You all have your sins that you're dealing with, your demons. And so we do a church on Thursday night downtown uh, at First Presbyterian every Thursday. And it's just like a, because The Rock back in the day used to have a Wednesday like a service, many three worship songs and a, and a message. So every Thursday we do it, and we just kind of like come as you are. Like if you look weird, well, we want you. Yeah. So he, he's serving God, right? And you have a landscape business. A lot of times people hire you on the phone. Then when you show up, they say they got somebody else. Yeah, I'm about ready to yeah. get a new business because that. I go, I go, I go bid the job, and they're like, oh. One lady specifically said, oh, uh, oh, <laughs> she said, oh, oh my nephew's going to do it, but thanks for coming out. Yeah. I'm like, oh, man, I'm wasting yeah. my gas. There's, there's, a few <laughs> there's a few other groups of us that deal with that all the time as well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Mine is tattooism. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. I, I was, was born with it. So uh, listen. <laughs> so, <laughs> hey. But here's the thing. God loves us all and God can redeem us all. Can I get any amen? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Let's, you have a verse. You have a verse that uh, I want to transition to because this is your, this is your verse, your favorite verse. So the, the reason this is my favorite verse because um, so when you look like me or whatever, you, feel, you don't feel worthy and you don't forgive yourself. Coming in here is like, a, you know, it's like, oh, no, I ain't. That's like me taking you guys to like a biker party or a skinhead party. You would be like, oh. And so this one really helps. If, if you feel uncomfortable, it shouldn't. This levels the playing field. That's him saying I should take over. <laughs> For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every single one of us is a sinner. Amen. The Bible says the penalty of that sin is death. Every single one of us is going to die. And if we don't have our sin forgiven, not only will we die physically, we'll die spiritually and be internally separated from God. The Bible calls it hell. We're eternal beings. We all know there's something after this. Never done a funeral with people who don't know God, who don't believe in God. I've never done one where they said, where they didn't say they're in a better place because we all know there's something else. The problem is they may not be in a better place. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, Lord, you are God. You died and rose from the dead for my sin. And believe in our heart, God raised him from the dead. On Easter, the whole world celebrates a resurrection of a Savior. And the tomb is empty to this day. You cannot go find his body because he's gone. And so he rose. And so if you say, Lord, I believe I'm a sinner. I believe you died and rose from the dead for my sin. I surrender my life to you. He will fill you with his spirit, his presence, transform your life and begin to start your life over. What he was into, as horrible as it was, God was working on him the whole time. I'm going to send you this guy. I'm going to send you this girl. I'm going to send you this guy. I'm going to send you this guy. And, and, and the very people that he was hating was the ones God was using to convict him and say, the whole belief system is wrong, but I still love you and I want to redeem you and use you. So in a minute, we're going to pray and give you an opportunity to say, Lord, um, I want to give my life to the Lord. Now, let me say this. This is not White Supremacy Sunday. And what I mean by that, this is not only for white people. Because sometimes when we do altar calls, if my topic is pornography, people think, well, if I go down there, I'm admitting I'm a, porno- I'm a, I'm a watching pornography. 
This is church. Okay, it's church. Can I get amen? amen? So I don't want you to be, just get that out of your head because the devil's going to use any excuse in your life to get you not to give your life to him. So I just want you to know, does God love you? Yes. Does God want to use you? Yes. Does God want to forgive you? Yes. But if he's calling you, you've got to pick up the phone. If you don't pick up the phone, it doesn't do you any good. And so I'm going to ask all of you and all the campuses, everybody watching online, to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want you to think about your life and the voice in your heart that is undoubtedly God. If, something's, if you hear a voice saying, I love you, that is not you. That's God. If you hear a voice saying, I want to forgive you, I want to redeem you, I want to change your life, that is God. If you hear a voice saying, this dude talking to you is telling you the truth. It's from the Bible. If you hear a voice saying, I don't have anything against you, I just have stuff against what you believe and what you do, what you've done, but I'm willing to forget it forever and never, ever bring it up again. That's God. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible says the penalty of sin is death, physical and spiritual. But the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, he will save you, forgive you. In a minute, I'm going to lead you into a prayer. It's a simple prayer of asking God to forgive you of your sin. A simple prayer of saying, Lord, I surrender my life to you. I want to live my life to honor you. It's a simple prayer of establishing a relationship with God. So eyes closed, heads bowed, and all the campuses, everybody watching online, If you would like to give your life to Jesus, pray this prayer with me in the privacy of your heart. Pray, dear God, I believe you love me. I believe you have a plan for me. I believe that Jesus died and rose from the dead. Jesus, I surrender my life to you. Fill me with the Spirit of God. I want to live for you. Thank you, God, for your patience and your love. As our eyes are closed and our heads are bowed, if you prayed that prayer in a minute, I'm going to ask you to stand up. And as, as you stand up, you are resurrecting to a new life. If you want someone to stand with you to encourage you, just tap them on the shoulder, the hand, or whatever it is. But you are with family. You don't have to be ashamed. We are going to celebrate you. So on the count of three in all the campuses, if you prayed that prayer and you're saying, yes, Lord, I want to surrender my life to you or I want to recommit my life to you, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to stand up and ask that person to stand with you if you want. I don't want you to worry about what anybody's thinking. I just want you to be excited that you are honoring your heavenly father. So on the count of three, if you prayed that prayer, I'm going to ask you to stand up. One, two, three. Stand to your feet. God bless you.